Hi, you're listening to the Right About Now Poetry Podcast. My name is Davis Land, and this week we are featuring Neil Hilborn. Neil is from Minneapolis, Minnesota. He was on the 2011 McAllister Poetry Slam team, which ranked first in the nation at the 2011 College National Poetry Slam. His team also competed and placed fifth at the National Poetry Slam, and he's the co-founder of Thistle, a McAllister literary magazine. <laughs> Rad. Cool. Oh my god, there are so many people here. <laughs> Y'all, I am so stoked to be back in Houston. God damn! John introduced himself at my first show. He said, kid, protect your teeth. Do not lick the walls and don't piss off the crusties. If you get cut, let it bleed. You'll be fine. I was 15 years old, thinking about unzipping my veins, and while most 15-year-olds would have done drugs or written a fucking poem, I went to shitty bars and basements and gave my best friends black eyes. For the first time in my life, I knew when I fell, someone was going to pick me up. That first mosh pit was not a quiet conversation about suicide. It was punk rock John telling me, Hey, asshole! Don't kill yourself! Don't waste your unscarred knuckles! My rage bloomed. Why hate myself when I can hate my parents? High school, the radio, record stores, magazines, corporations, yuppies, my parents, cops, rain, sunshine, beach days, phone books, bottled water, and tiny fucking cupcakes. God damn, that first day of punk didn't sound like Buddy Holly. Played back double time, distorted, compressed into four chords. The first time I saw Punk Rock John, he was mid front flip stage dive and he landed directly on my face. He picked me up, brushed me off, and threw me back into the pit. One time, I was getting ready to drop kick some metal kid when John got me in a headlock and said, quit fucking around, Neil. You don't know who that kid's friends are, and I ain't putting you out if they set you on fire. And then some out-of-town skin dropped a guillotine knife blade into John's skull. The blood was leaking from his ears. He was dead before he hit the ground. Punk rock John was six foot four. He had hands the size of kick drums and he smelled like a 20 year rain. He was Noah, he was our shepherd. John told us that the church of punk rock is always open. If you wanna pray, just crank up the stereo till your ears bleed. If you wanna pray, just grab your brothers and sing. Sing out of tune, sing the wrong words, just sing loud. When John died, I buried my leather jacket. I patched the holes in my jeans. I tried to pluck the cords like stitches from my chest, but y'all, John still speaks to me. When this world is so much larger than I am, when my chest is a vice, I put that needle on the record. I turn it up until I can't hear shit, and I tell myself, kid, you'll be fine. The first
first time I saw her, everything in my head went quiet. All the ticks, all the constantly refreshing images just disappeared. When you have obsessive compulsive disorder, you don't really get quiet moments. Even in bed, I'm thinking, the lock the door, yes, the watchman is yes, the lock the door, yes, the watchman is yes. And when I saw her, the only thing I could think about was the hairpin curve of her lips or the eyelash on her cheek, the eyelash on her cheek, the eyelash on her cheek. I knew I had to talk to her. I asked her out six times in 30 seconds. She said yes after the third one, but none of them felt right, so I had to keep going. On our first date, I spent more time organizing my meal by color than I did eating or talking to her, but she loved it. She loved that I had to kiss her goodbye 16 times or 24 times if it was Wednesday. She loved that it took us forever to walk home because there are lots of cracks on our sidewalk. When we moved in together, she said she felt safe like no one would ever rob us because I definitely locked the door 18 times. I'd always watch her mouth when she talked, when she talked, when she talked, when she talked, when she talked. When she said she loved me, her mouth would curl up at the edges. At night, she'd lay in bed and watch me turn all the lights off and on and 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 off. She closed her eyes and imagined that days and nights were just passing in front of her. Some mornings, I'd start kissing her goodbye, but she'd just leave because I was making her late for work. When I stopped at a crack in the sidewalk, she kept walking. When she said she loved me, her mouth was a straight line. She told me I was taking up too much of her time. Last week, she started sleeping at her mother's place. She told me that she shouldn't let me get so attached to her, that this whole thing was a mistake, but how can it be a mistake that I don't have to wash my hands after I touch her? Love is not a mistake. It's killing me that she can run away from this and I just can't. I can't go out and find someone new because I always think of her. Usually, when I obsess over things, I see germs sneaking into my skin. I see myself crushed by an endless succession of cars and she was the first beautiful thing I ever got stuck on. I want to wake up every morning thinking about the way she holds her steering wheel, how she turns shower knobs like she's opening a safe, how she blows out candles, 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 blows out. Now, I just think about who else is kissing her. I can't breathe because he only kisses her once. He, he doesn't care if it's perfect. I want her back so bad. I leave the door unlocked. I leave the lights on. Hi! My name's Neil Hilborn and that's a poem that I wrote. You might recognize it from the internet. Uh, up, I think Upworthy titled it, Bearded Dude is Funny Then Sad. My magic set list. See what poem I'm supposed to do next because I have brain damage and can't remember. Um, oh, no. Cool. So I'm a touring poet. Normally I have chapbooks for sale. This is my chapbook, it's called Clatter, but right now I'm out, so you can't fucking have it. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. It's on, like, it's on back order. I would have a ton that you could come and buy from me and I would sign them for you because that's cool. But, um, no, they're on back order right now. So if you go to, like, buttonpoetry.com, um, in the store, you can buy it. And you can be like, yo, I was at Right About Now in Houston and Neil's a dick and didn't have his book. Also, if you like my voice, um, I have an album out. It's called Northbound. You can get it on iTunes and Bandcamp. Um, it's, like, ten bucks and you can get it on your, like, magic phone robot device and get it immediately. Um... Cool, and plug, great. So this is my chapbook, it's called Clatter. I have to plug myself, otherwise my publisher gets mad at me. Um, 
<laughs> and he'd be like, he knows. I don't know how the fuck he knows, but he knows. Um, so, uh, on this front cover uh, is an x-ray of my left shoulder, which was separated in a bicycle accident in which I got a major concussion. Don't get concussions. Don't fucking get concussions. Don't get concussions. If you ride a bike, wear a fucking helmet. What the fuck are you doing? Anyway, um, so, uh, and on the back is a picture of me in a hospital gown smiling, because I'm clearly on drugs. Why would you be smiling in a hospital gown otherwise? Um... Anyway, uh, so this is a poem from that. It's the title poem, and it's called Clatter. It's impossible to imagine a color you have not seen. I can't call my mother because she makes me panic. When I say I'm crying, what I really mean is that I want to cry but can't. Instead of dying, the jellyfish simply ceases to move. Glass moves like any other liquid, but slower. Sex is another way of communicating with your body, like self-harm or sign language. I complete five crosswords a day because it stops the panic. Trucks are downshifting on Main Street. Most of what I do, I do to stop the panic. I never cry at things outside of my head because they all seem so far away. Hair is partially composed of cyanide. Napalm is just gasoline and plastic. I am just carbon and bad timing. If I were someone else, I think I'd still be mentally ill. It's impossible to imagine a color you haven't seen. <laughs> Yo, this slam is like dope as hell, do y'all know? Um, Cause like, I've been, I've been like seeing pictures on Instagram for a minute. And I was like, I gotta go there. Uh, and it's like fucking, it's the shit. Um, I saw some really incredible poetry tonight and I'm in this gorgeous place. I'm sweating my balls off and I love it. So, uh, all right, so uh, I'm gonna change gears. I'm gonna do a couple funny poems. Um, yay, hilariousness. So uh, I wrote this poem when I was 20 and stupid um, and like, super in love, right? I had been like, I, I had been with this person for like two weeks and I was like, everything's great. Making out is awesome. Ha ha ha. Um, <laughs> that's what it's like in my head all the fucking time. Anyway, um, so I wrote this poem. It's about making out. I hope you like it. In second grade, we did an experiment with static electricity. We rubbed balloons on our heads and stuck them to walls and Kissing you is kind of like that. My hair stands on end. I get shocked when I touch things and I want to tell you stupid stuff like kissing you is a bundle of kittens colliding with my face at 0.5 miles an hour. It's like being shot with a dart gun made of hummingbirds that shoots darts made of hummingbirds. And your lips are so soft I can't actually tell when we're touching like braiding hair underwater or napping under a blanket filled with rainbows and clouds and your favorite books. And when you kiss me, the cartoon devil and angel on my shoulder climb into my ears, lick all my neurons, and start fucking on my brainstem. And if you were a 300-pound professional weightlifter and I were a Kia Sorento, you could drag me anywhere with your lips. <laughs> Kissing you is patient and impossibly slow, like peeling paint off a wall with glittery stickers or cooking a turkey with a lighter. 
And knowing I would someday kiss someone who kisses like you is why I let them give me braces. Why I even wore my headgear to school. See, you remind me of the time in second grade when Bethany Hopkirk called me a freak face and stabbed me in the arm with a pencil. Cause kissing you is kind of like that. Unhealthy and will probably result in disfigurement. But baby, bring on the facial scars and lead poisoning. Cause when you kiss me, you are dangling me off a bridge by my belt. You are the screen door in my childhood, all teeth and swinging. So full of holes you could never keep anything in. You are every black eye. You're a semi-truck and I'm a turtle with two broken legs and a broken heart. You are illegal fireworks falling downstairs together, driving on four flat tires, playing frisbee at night with a saw blade. Kissing you is like falling out of a 37-story window, exploding into a cloud of robins and reappearing on the ground with my mouth full of feathers. And when I can't kiss you, I try to find the electricity in my apartment. I dig around in wall sockets, I change light bulbs with my teeth, and I make out with the toaster. <laughs> and I know, I know we've only been seeing each other for a couple weeks, but when you kiss me, I can't remember my middle name or which one is my left foot. So come over tonight. We'll shuffle around the apartment in our socks, and we'll let our lips drift toward each other like tectonic plates made out of kittens. <laughs> find Neil's books and spoken word album online at buttonpoetry.com shop. As always, you should check out our features stuff and support touring poets. in here. Um, so I wrote this poem because my brain is a repository for facts about weird animal sex. Um, and I needed to get it the fuck out of my head somehow. Uh, and so like this poem is about like animals fucking but also things like vaginas. So if you're offended by vaginas, like get the fuck out. Like <laughs> it's a poetry slam. What are you doing in a poetry slam if you're sexist? Um, <laughs> So, 
Dear creationists, while I would like to believe that humans are the pinnacle of all God's creatures, I can, in good conscience, not. For instance, may I present to you the blue whale. The blue whale's penis is over eight feet long. Its testicles weigh a hundred pounds. It ejaculates 35 pints of semen at a time. Imagine, 35 beers. Now, instead of a delicious, refreshing beverage, imagine that those beers are whale jizz. Today! In the presentation of my paper, Why Human Sex is Totally Stupid Buckets, I will attempt to expose, haha, humans for what they truly are. Fucking lame. My first question, creationists, if we're supposed to be so special, why is our sex so boring? Pig orgasms last for 30 minutes. When I orgasm, it only lasts for five minutes if I'm on drugs and also lying. Barnacle penises are 50 times as long as their bodies, and since barnacles are stationary, mating season is just a symphony of humongous dongs slapping around the colony until they find a mate. And since barnacles are hermaphrodites, if they can't find a mate, they will literally fuck themselves. I realize, I realize that I have until this point only made dick jokes. Allow me to rectify that. Oh, wait! That's really difficult because science, like fucking everything else, is generally dominated by dudes. And there is, therefore, much more penis than vagina-based research. As such, allow me, to, allow me to present to you, my dear creationists, animal facts against the patriarchy. One! You may know that female praying mantises decapitate and eat their mates immediately after sexing them, but you might not be aware that because of this, among praying mantises, there's no such thing as war or poverty or hatred or discrimination or loneliness or reruns or lines that are two hours long. I really mean ex-girlfriends, Becky! But Neil, I can hear you saying stupidly, that's just because they're insects. And yes, you're right, but you're wrong. Two, male seahorses carry the babies. Male seahorses are rad. Three, Ostriches are the only birds that have clitorises, which doesn't make sense because birds don't have fingers. Speaking of clitorises, four, female hyena develop protruding vulvae and clitori, not a word, that are larger than the male's penises. To mate, they put the dick in the lady dick. If you've never heard of sounding, that's basically what it is. I've saved you an awful discovery on the internet. You're welcome. In conclusion! Dear creationists, I've clearly just been using you because I needed an easy structure for this poem, but regardless, if we're supposed to be so special, why does us fucking look and sound like two hams slapping together in a hurricane? If God loves America so much, I don't know what you believe, but I assume that's it, then why are our genitals not all rocket ships? Think about it. We could all be fucking in space. It's the American way. Thanks, Amir. Yo, I just wanna, I just wanna say, like, uh, Amir gave me 
literally my first feature ever um, at Mike Check and Brian. One, two, one, two. And it was, it was seriously, like it was five years ago and I had no clue what I was doing. And he was like, yo, come out here and do it. And so, so thanks Amir. Thanks for like, you know, being there for me. And slash beating me at fantasy football, you dick. Uh, <laughs> um, Rad, this poem's pretty new. Um, I, I wrote it pretty recently. Um, I, I just said that. Anyway, uh, people always talk about like writing as therapy, right? And you're like, you're a douchebag and that's cliche. But, but it's also like a pretty true thing. Um, so this poem had to come out. Joey always told me, laughing as though it were actually a joke, that he wanted to kill himself, but it was never the right time. There were always groceries to be bought and little brothers to be tucked in at night. Don't worry, Joey isn't going to kill himself 20 more seconds into this poem. That's not the kind of story I'm telling here. Joey got a promotion, and now we can afford Prozac. Joey is Joe now. Joe is a cold engine in which none of the parts complain. Joe is a brick that someone made out of fossils. If you removed money from the equation, Joey would have been painting elk on cave walls. People would have fed him and kept him away from high places because, goddamn, look at those elk. I think that the genes for being an artist and mentally ill aren't just related. They're the same gene, but try telling that to a bill collector. We were 17, and I drove us all to punk shows in a station wagon older than any of us. We were 17, and I bought lunch for Joey more often than I didn't. We were 17, and the one time Joey tried to talk to me about being depressed when someone else was around, I called him a faggot and asked if he needed to change his tampon. You know that moment when the cartoon realizes he's, take, realizes he's taken three steps off the cliff, and he takes a long look at the audience like we are carrying the last moving box out of a half-empty house. Joey looked like that without the puff of smoke. He just played video games for a half hour and then went home. Once, I found Joey in my dad's office, staring at the safe where he knew we kept the guns. Once, Joey molded his car into the shape of a tree trunk and refused to give a reason why. I once caught Joey in biology class, staring at his scalpel like he wanted to be the frog, splayed out, wide open, so honest. There's one difference between me and Joey. When we got arrested, bail money was waiting for me at the station. When I was hungry, I ate. When I wanted to open myself up and see if there really were bees rattling around in there, my parents got me a therapist. I can pin point in the session that brought me back to the world. That session cost $75. $75 is two weeks of groceries. It's a month of bus fare. It's not even a school year's worth of new shoes. It took weeks of $75 to get to the one that saved my life. We both had parents that believed us when we said we weren't okay, but mine could afford to do something about it. I wonder how many kids like Joey wanted to die and were unlucky enough to actually pull it off. How many of those kids had someone who cared about them but also had to pay rent I'm so lucky that right now I'm not describing Joey's funeral. I'm so lucky we all lived through who we were to become who we are. I'm so lucky. I'm so lucky.
the best way to get to heaven is to take it with you. Henry Drummond. Our headlights snake across the West Texas Highway. Out here, they've only got two kinds of music on the radio, country and western. Her hair touches my shoulder in the wind. The road signs say turn ahead. We sing along to songs our parents taught us. Turn ahead, steep cliff. Her finger is curled around my belt loop. Steep cliff, pay attention. The road curves away from me. My voice crumples as we clip the guardrail. Our wheels lift skyward. The car spins, flips. The sky and riverbed fight for supremacy. Our headlights kick into space. All of our clothes float around us. Her blouse blossoms like a supernova. The change in her cup holders forms constellations glinting in front of our eyes. We are astronauts coming back to Earth. When the nickel stars settle in the dust, we hang upside down, dangling like marionettes from our seatbelts. We unbuckle them fall to the ceiling that was never meant to be a floor. Her collarbone is broken. The same one she fractured at six years old. The glass is flung around the car in a perfect halo orbit. We are freezing in our own solar system. And as I'm blinking in and out of consciousness, she speaks to me in a voice that comes from just behind my ear. She says, all that has ever mattered is volume. And if you turn up the speakers past the point of sound into deafening silence, you will hear me again. I will whisper your name through the cracks in the canyon rocks and you will know that this is heaven, knowing that someone will always remember your irises and where you hid your love letters and why you could never speak in anything but short sentences. It is not a golden escalator or a glowing choir conveying you into the sky. The hand of God does not reach down and pluck you from your earthly shell. No, the way to heaven is here in your last moments, these last half seconds before your soul shivers out of your bones. You will see the candle on your first birthday cake through the brush of your mother's braid, smell your father's shaving cream. On the day he taught you, there's a tornado in your throat. You will hear our whispered phone calls, our entwined I love yous, and their softness will weigh down on you. Heaven is an exhausted horse laying down to die. It is you and your ceiling fan conversing in whispers. Heaven is floating to earth in this already shattered car. I will lie here forever and sing to you all the things I stopped myself from saying while we were alive. Rad, this is my last poem. Oh, sad face. Uh, you're all fucking tired. <laughs> Listen, I got up at 4.45 because I was in fucking Commerce, Texas this morning, so... If, I'm just whining, shit. All right, anyway, um, I got one more poem. Thank you so much for coming out. Um, like I said, come, high five, hugs. I'm sweaty as balls, so I hope you like fucking swamp hugs. Uh, so, I wrote this poem about a year ago. Um, so I was diagnosed with OCD when I was 11. Uh, you know, I have OCD, you might know from the poem. Um, Maybe. Uh, and uh, I went to a ton of therapy. Just all the therapy fucking forever. P.S. I'm not a therapist. I don't know shit. But if you're mentally ill, like, <laughs> get a therapist. Nothing helps more. Anyway. So when I was about 20, 21, I started having mood swings. 
Um, and I was, and so I went to see my old psychiatrist, and I was like, hey, I've been having these mood swings. It's been really bizarre and unprecedented. And she's like, oh yeah, you have bipolar. You have a family history. It's fine. Um, but like, I thought, like I thought it was over. All I knew about bipolar disorder is that people would get really manic, get all their shit done, and then get depressed and die. You know. Um, and so I was like, I'm gonna be dead in six months. Um, that's not how it turned out. Uh, <laughs> like, turns out that like that's not what bipolar disorder is. So pff, rad. Um, there are also a ton of different kinds. Like I, uh, I hallucinate often when I'm like way up or way down. Um, some days it's awful. Like some days I wake up and the walls are all spiders, um, which is gross. But like a lot of times it's like some really dope shit that I'm about to talk about in this poem. So. Um, I think the point is, for a really long time, I asked myself, like, if I had a switch that I could just flip off and, like, not be mentally ill anymore, like, would I do it? The answer was always yes. Um, and then something clicked, like, it sounds corny, but you always, you always hear people talking about, like, loving and accepting yourself, and you're like, ugh, hippie bullshit. But, like, I mean, that's really it. Like, the instant I stopped fighting it, and the instant I was like, hey, this is just how I am right now. This is just how the world is. Suddenly, everything became so much easier. So, like, fuck yeah, accept yourself, love yourself, forgive yourself when shit's going wrong. So, this is my last poem. Uh, it's called The Future. Thank you so much for coming out. The worst thing about being naked and then being hit by a car is that road rash is a problem for skin. Why was I naked in the middle of the road at noon? I'm glad you asked, imaginary other half of this conversation. I have no idea. Some characteristics of bipolar disorder include dissociation, hallucinations, and fugue states. So sometimes I wake up in places I didn't go to sleep. So there I am, nude, splayed out on the hood of a car like a slutty chicken, and I'm screaming about the government conspiracy to take away my feet, not my real feet, just my brain feet. And I'm about six inches away from the concrete when I realize, in slow motion, like the exact opposite of a rhinoceros attack, this is not how I imagined my life would turn out. When I was little, I broke both my ankles, jumping off a roof because I was sure a cape would enable me to fly. My parents attributed this to my strong imagination. Last year, my therapist called it a delusion. I failed to see the difference. Also, I really can fly and see the future and make stupid people leave coffee shops with my mind. 43% of the time. Sometimes I see people as colors. This guy right here is purple, which means he just got a promotion. Or a blowjob. A blow motion, if you will. The point is, here's a list of things that my brain has told me to do. Join a cult, start a cult, become a cabinet maker, kill myself, so in essence become a cabinet maker, break into and then paint other people's houses, have sex with literally everyone who reminds me of my mother, fight people who are much fucking fightier than me, like the cops, so in essence kill myself. I think a lot about killing myself. Not like a point on a map, but rather like a glowing exit sign at a show that's never been quite bad enough to make me want to leave. See, when I'm up, I don't kill myself because holy shit, there is so much left to do. And when I'm down, I don't kill myself because then the sadness would be over. And the sadness is my old paint under the new. The sadness is the house fire or the broken shoulder. I'd still be me without it, but I'd be so boring. They keep telling me seeing things that aren't technically there is called disturbed cognitive functioning. I call it having a superpower. 
power. Once I pulled over on the freeway and jumped out of my old red Jeep because I saw it burst into flames 20 seconds before it actually burst into flames. I knew my girlfriend and I would be together because she turned bright pink the first time she saw me. I know tomorrow's gonna come because I've seen it. Sunrise is going to come. All you have to do is wake up. The future has been at war, but it's coming home so soon. The future is the map and the treasure. The future looks like a child in a cape. The future is just like gravity. Everyone is slowly drifting toward everyone else. We will all be part of each other one day. The future is a blue sky and a a full tank of gas. I saw the future. I did. And in it, I was alive. Thank you so much. My name is Neil Hillborn. I love you. I love you. Thank you. That was Neil Hilborn at Right About Now in Houston, Texas. Again, you can find his books and spoken word album at buttonpoetry.com shop. You can find Right About Now as at Juan Poetry on pretty much any social network. And also, you can subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Of course, ratings and comments are always something we love to read. You can find me, Davis Land at davisland.info and thanks to WCAI in Woods Hole, Massachusetts for letting me use their studios to record. 